I met Athena in the Extra Mile acting workshop. I was so intimidated by her at first, but the more that we talked, the more I got to see how sweet and down to earth she really is. She's an actress who you might recognize if you saw my Portuguese version of Stranger Things as our number three. She's also a professional figure skating coach, and she gets very open and honest about growing up with the dream of the Olympics and all of the pain that comes with realizing that it's not going to happen. If you love the show, please make sure to leave a review, and I'm gonna give the same disclaimer as usual. I was especially meandering in this one and had to cut myself off in editing a lot. So when I was about three, my mom put me in swimming immediately, more to learn, mm -hmm. just in case, you never know, like she's like, you're probably gonna be around water in case you through get, your whole life, so. Yeah, you get kidnapped on an island and you need to make a quick escape exactly. or something like that, yeah. <laughs> when I learned all the basics of swimming, I quit because she was like, I just wanted you to learn and I didn't really wanna do tournaments. Karate, I was awful at it. I don't know why. Really? I just, I, my attention span was not there and I couldn't pay attention, so uh -huh. that was out. Gymnastics, my mom wanted me to learn just to know, but they were like, no, we're not gonna teach her unless she competes. Okay, so that was a no, but I I stuck with skating. That's what I stay, stuck with from when I was like six all the way until college. Yeah, and you yeah. teach it now, so yeah. it's, it's safe to say it stuck a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> um, were you the initiator of all of those, or was your mom the one that was pushing you to do all of those extracurriculars? My mom put me in everything so mm -hmm. I could find something. A family friend of mine, uh, she had a competition and she invited us. Mm -hmm. So then we went to go watch and I was like, oh, I wanna do that. Yeah. I thought it was so cool. And then my parents were like, okay, let's enroll her, so. Well, cause I, I heard the other day, I was not eavesdropping, but the conversation was in close proximity. You were telling, I think it was Jason. Yeah. How, hey, if you were at the gallery at any point, I was definitely there. Oh how, yeah. How often did you go to practice? Before and after school, Monday through Friday and mm -hmm. Saturday. Was it you that initiated that or was it your mom that kept pushing you to practice? It, I, it was me. I mm -hmm. um, So starting at the, so I was at the gallery. I remember I begged my mom to take me to practice. Really? Yeah. I, you know, kids don't do that. But I will say school was not my favorite. So I guess there's a give and take somewhere. I begged my mom. I was like, mom, please take me, please take me. And someday she was like, it's getting late. It would be like 6 p.m. So she was like, no, it's, it's, it's late. We'll go tomorrow. As I progressed and I started competing, you, skate, skating is so demanding. You cannot improve if you don't skate a minimum of 15 hours a week. Yeah, and I'm, yeah. I'm curious, was it at all isolating? Because I think of skating as a very individualized sport. You make friends along the way. But those friends I had since childhood, they we are lifelong friends now. I'm sure, yeah. So, yeah, we, we went through a lot together, a lot of training, a lot of blood, sweat, and tears, really. It is isolating in the sense that, like, it just depends on what environment you're stuck in. Coaches, um, other skaters, other parents, it just depends on what's going on. Mm -hmm. And if it gets toxic, it's very, very isolating. Because you can't talk to anyone about it because you can't trust anybody. When it when it comes to putting in as many as many hours of practice and, and you actively wanting that, where 
where was it coming from? Was it a genuine love? Was it this need for perfection? Well, in middle school, I wanted, my dream was to be on Team USA. I was like, I want this so bad. And I was on a track where that could have been possible. Mm-hmm. And then I hit puberty. Oh, and <laughs> it changed everything. Everything. And like for girls, it sucks. Because when, when we grow, we, everything changes and our balance is off. And um, I didn't talk to any of the other girls about it because I was taught like, oh, that's taboo. We don't talk about that. Like you shouldn't that's very personal in high school I realized I have no chance of getting on team USA and it, it wasn't necessarily a um, oh I can't do it I'm depressed I can't do it it was more of like a realistically where I stood in the nation I was like there's there's just no way there's no way so I started beating myself up over it and then I was like I don't want to go to practice anymore but my mom a very strict Asian tiger parent they're stereotypical so she would force me to practice every single day it was just monotonous day in day out but then something clicked maybe a couple years into doing that and I was like you know I actually really love this and I'll just do it until I graduate. It's mm-hmm. interesting how you went from loving it to almost hating it in a way and then falling back in love with it. What what was life like in those moments where you saw that there was no future for you in being Team USA? Like, I feel like that must have challenged so much of who you thought you were. Yeah, I was heartbroken. Yeah. I was miserable. And one of my good friends now, she went through the same thing at a later time. In college, I still skated for fun and I had to test out. My friend, I, it was like a mirror. She she came up to me, she broke down in tears and she was like, how do you know there's nothing left for you in this sport? What do you do? Because that's all you know. That's the thing I think Especially I... Especially when you put in all the work that you did where, yeah. I mean, it seems like at one point it was literally your life. I would get up at 4.30, get to the rink, get on at 5.30, skate till 7, and then dip out and go to school. Mm-hmm. Get out of school, come back, get on the ice at 4, get off at 6. And then we had off-ice training and mm-hmm. conditioning. So we would do like exercises off the ice to strengthen ourselves from 6 to 6.30. And then I'd get home at like seven whatever shower yeah. eat dinner and then by eight I'm like okay but I have to do my homework a lot of girls go into homeschool girls skaters a lot of skaters go into homeschool to try to have time to be able to dedicate to their sport when you when you say that your mom was like tiger Asian mom yeah. was it just in skating did it manifest in other ways through your life like school or, or anything like that Oh yeah, it manifested everywhere. Mm-hmm. Just be be as perfect as possible, but that was just not. I showed my parents. I was like, it was kind of sad because I basically constantly disappointed them intentionally just so they could get the picture that I'm not going to be perfect for you. Interesting. And in, in yeah. what ways would you actively disappoint them? Mostly with um, grades cuz mm-hmm. I cuz I was training so much and I was exhausted because I have to wake up so early every single day and I didn't have much time to study like everyone else did. And so I would go to school feeling like an idiot. And I know I'm not, I'm not the smartest person, but I'm definitely not, not an idiot for sure. Definitely but, not, yeah. But it felt, it felt really, it felt awful taking AP classes because I'd sit there and be like, wow, I have no idea what's going on. Being raised under this need to be perfect in every idea of the word do you see how that's trickled into your day-to-day life now or is it something you've been able to kind of move past i guess two years into um really giving acting a go 
uh, I started comparing myself to um, a lot of our friends that we we've grown to know in in um, the extra mile workshop. Yeah. And uh, my husband, at the time we were dating, he was like, he was like, you've got to stop. Like everybody's journey is different. And I'm like, I know that. I logically know that. But those old habits crept back in, yeah. and it destroyed me. And it it took. It took a long time for me to get out of that. We don't realize that those kinds of things are they're autopilot. They happen without us even being conscious of it. But then we judge ourselves for something that we can't actually control. When it's perfectionism specifically, it goes even worse because you're like, oh, well, I can't handle this, which means I can't handle that or that or that or that. So it definitely becomes like this domino effect for sure. I think I've gotten to the point where I'm not concerned with what other people are doing. More so like my friends and and people I see, I want success for them in that sense. But like if somebody books something, it doesn't make me feel like, oh, what am I doing? I don't really get that anymore because now I'm so engrossed in my work. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to focus on what I'm doing to the point where I... I don't really know what everyone else is doing unless they tell me. And when they tell me, I'm just, I just get excited. Yeah. That's basically it. It's, That's the best way to be. Yeah. And I wish I could tell, tell people how to do that. It's, yeah. like, it's like you reach this level of consciousness that, that just clicks and that's it. Yeah. You, you know the funny thing? This is a perfect example of something that is very simple yet also very tough at the same time where it's like, oh, well, it's... This, it's just having this mindset, but finding your way to that mindset is really tough. Did you at all hold any resentment over your mom for having these heightened expectations? Oh, yeah. How did that alter your dynamic? It's complicated because the way I look at it is, with my mom specifically, she wanted what was best for me. She just took it the wrong She mm. went in a whole different way that yeah. that really destroyed me. But she didn't realize it was happening that's not that's not what she thought was happening in her mind i'm doing this to benefit you because i care about you not i'm not excusing like a lot of the stuff that she said or done because some of it is like that's not okay but but it all comes from a place of of love there's there's this quote i know i'm gonna butcher it but it's from nowhere girl which is the book i've i've told you about but she talks essentially about how anger all it does is tie you to the past and tie you to the people that you resented. So it's not until you finally let go of that that they no longer have that control over you. You talked about how you went from loving it to hating it to loving it again. Mm-hmm. Was there just like a moment? Was there a gradual kind of like... I think the transition back was mostly from when I started driving because my okay. mom would take me to practice. So then at the point when I could drive, she was like, okay, at this point, if you want it, you'll do it. I was like, okay, so I kept doing it. And then I was thinking to myself, wow, I'm miserable. Why do I keep doing it? There has to be a reason why I do it. And I realized after a while of driving myself, it wasn't extrinsic, it was intrinsic. I was like, I, I have to love it. Cause I think after um, the acceptance of, I'm not competitive anymore, genuinely I was lazy too. So that made it, <laughs> that yeah. didn't help. But, <laughs> but I was like, I, I recognize that I'm lazy. I'm not willing to 
break my back over this anymore. Well, can I inject something real quick? Yeah. Just because you won't wake up at 4.30 doesn't mean you're lazy. <laughs> I think that it's so easy to think of all the ways we're not doing enough without actually recognizing the ways that we are. You're lazy is someone else's like super chaotic busy day. I wasted a lot of time and now I regret I regret that I wasted time because that's a waste of my parents' money. It was a waste of my time. It was a waste of my coach's time. It was like, yeah. I think I see that now because I am a coach. When you gave up skating as a career path and eventually got into coaching, you talked about how your perspective changed a lot when you became a coach. Yeah. Sometimes the things that my students would do or not do when I asked them to, mm -hmm. I would get a flashback of the time that I did the same thing. Yeah. And I remember I actually went up to my former coach because we were, we were coaching in the same rink at the time. I was like, man, teenagers suck. They, <laughs> wow, they really just hormones and like they don't listen. And she was like, yeah, you see, you see what I had to deal with? Like mm -hmm. you, were, you were so awful. And I was like, yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> Ironically, coaching now actually, um, I think it really helped me improve in my acting quicker. Because Interesting, in what ways? It, because like, I always tell my students, like, if you don't put in the work, you're not going to get anything out of it. And that's fact. If you don't put in effort, no matter how talented you are, if you don't put in the time and the effort, nothing's going to come of it. In my acting, that first couple years, I wasn't doing anything. I was just going to class. Uh, my husband pointed out, he was like, I feel like you should be doing more. Not, not in, like telling me what to do in a yeah. way, more of a suggestion, like, because he coaches too, and we're a coaching team. He was like, we always tell our kids what to work on. If they want to improve, they need to do X, Y, Z. He was like, I feel like it's the same way with acting because everything you want to, to master or get better at, you have to work on it. But then I switched to an athlete state of mind, and I think that really pushed me forward. I had a very similar conversation with my mom when I first came back from LA. I'd failed at acting, but I had an agent. I was so, I was getting auditions and I was like, okay, this is still possibly what I'm gonna do. And I took forever to get a job and then eventually my mom kind of sat me down and she was like, what are you doing with your life? I, I wanna be an actor, so I'm doing these tapes. And she was like, yeah, but all you're doing is doing tapes that you have no control over. You're not like doing anything to actively go out and act like you're not doing community plays you're not auditioning for local stuff you're not filming stuff like you say you're an actor and you do auditions every now and then but what are you actually doing to yeah. make cohesive steps outside of that and at first i resented her because i was like you don't know me mom you don't understand <laughs> everything that i'm doing but of course the more i thought on it and the more that i started to kind of let her words resonate the more i realized oh i'm calling myself an actor but i'm not actually doing anything to move forward. So going going to college life. I went to UT Dallas and uh, my rink is only 10 minutes from, from UTD. So um, I started teaching the skate school. Uh, somebody asked me for a lesson. Yeah, sure, why not? It's a kid, whatever. I can make extra money on the side while I, I go to school. Yeah. So, and then one became three, three became 10, 10 became 15, and I was yeah. like, whoa, what <laughs> happened here? <laughs> I'm a businesswoman now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just kind of slowly fell into it, and I was like, I, I enjoy it. I don't know. I just really, I like sharing my love of, of this sport yeah. to, other, to other kids, kind of being a positive place for them. One of my students 
had a really rough time mentally. When she joined skating and when she started taking lessons, like it brightened her up yeah. and she stopped having a lot of negative thoughts. I think back to some teachers I had. Oh wow, I remember this teacher. They were amazing. I love them. I want to leave that impact. Like yeah. like even if even if, you know, they don't want to do it competitively, that's fine. It's just as long as they have a good time, as long as they know that I I can be a safe space for them. So that's that's where my coaching comes in. Yeah. Well, and it's yeah. beautiful because, I mean, you look at your backstory and skating was your life. And yeah. you're the one they see almost just as much of, as their parents. So what did you major in? Psychology. Psycho- oh, yeah. really? <laughs> yeah. What, yeah. What brought that on? Because that's such a huge difference from skating. Like our backgrounds and our upbringings and the things that our life experiences shape us into the people we are today. That was my curiosity. Human behavior, it's so interesting to me how we're all so similar but yeah. so different at the same time. That sounds straight out of Oprah Winfrey's book, What Happened to You, where why why am I this way? Why am I so X, Y, and Z? Whereas the true question is, well, no, what happened to you that made you this way? She always talks about how in every single interview, people are displaying the exact same fundamental core just on different spectrums. Yeah, that's and really psychology cool. psychology is like where those fall on the spectrum, which is really cool. So do you have like a, a bachelor's in psychology? Yep, bachelor's of science in okay. psychology. And I minored in performing arts. What like kickstarted acting? Was it just like, ah, let me just minor in this and see what happens? Or was it something you genuinely were? Um, I was always interested and I never took the step forward because I you know, representation. This is why they say representation is important. Because mm-hmm. the only Asian American I I think I ever recall seeing, aside from Lucy Liu, was um, Brenda Song on The Sweet oh, Life of Zack yeah. and Cody. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. If she can do it, I can do it too. But then I watch movie after movie after show after show, and I'm like, there's only one. Mm-hmm. There's only one of me. How can I? How can I succeed in that? There's no way. And I talked to my parents about it. They said the same thing. They were like, how can you? At UTD, I needed credits. And I was talking to my husband at the time. I was like, I have no idea what to do. I was like, here. And I read off all these like these extra credit classes, I guess. And he was like, oh, acting sounds cool. Why don't you try that? I think you'd be really good at it. And then one class turned into another and another and another. And then when I saw my advisor, she was like, yeah, you have enough credits to minor in performing arts. Do you just want to do that? I was like, Interesting. sure, yeah. yeah. Might as well. <laughs> After graduating, I was like, I think I want to give this a try. I started seeing more diversity on TV and stuff, you know, shows like Fresh Off the Boat, Mm -hmm. as stereotypical as it is. More Asian American actors were showing up on screen. Maybe I can do this. And then I was thinking like, well, I have my degree. I'm coaching and I'm trying to find a job where I can use my degree. And psychology is such a beautiful, such a beautiful thing to have in your back pocket when it comes to acting and becoming different people. What are some ways that you, you've seen that influence your acting? Definitely through, through my empathy. Because you know, as an actor, we have to try to look from somebody else's perspective. That's something I naturally always tried to do anyway. One of the really cool things I was gonna share with you before mm-hmm. I haven't had the chance, Body language. One of the coolest, like, little subcategories, I guess, of psychology mm-hmm. is studying people's body language. Uh, there's a YouTube channel. I can't remember is his it name. Observe. Yes. Yeah, yes. I watch him all the time. Oh, you, so he actually he recently did this. He's starting this series where he's gonna analyze the body language 
of the actors portraying real characters and seeing how that translates to Perfect. it's super cool and also super like terrifying as an actor to think about like someone going through and I think that's so cool to incorporate that part of it and stuff like that in sometimes I'll associate my character with an animal you know sometimes you're like oh they have a golden retriever personality oh, that kind sure. of thing yeah so that's I think that's the furthest I've taken it for yeah. psychology aside from actual mental disorders I haven't gone further yet so I know you were talking about how your husband was like one of the people that was able to encourage you to go into acting and, and all that kind of stuff how long have you all been together we've been together for six years now and that's really cool so y'all coach together mm -hmm. in what ways has being with him emboldened you to maybe venture outside your comfort zone in ways that you wouldn't have done oh this man shoves me out of my comfort zone yeah if it's for my my better of course yeah. yeah yeah he's very analytical mm -hmm. so if he sees something that he realizes is not benefiting me what i'm doing he will call me out on it immediately like there's no, good. there's no sugar coating it. Sometimes I do get a little bit hurt. I'm like, oh, thanks for yeah. that. <laughs> He'll call me out on it and then we'll talk it out and I'll, I'll be like, okay, at this point I feel lost. I'm not sure what else I can do. Yeah. And then if he doesn't know what to do, he'll be like, call up this person, reach out to this person. I'm, I'm sure they can help you more, but everything he does is to try to help push me further. Yeah. And, and that's I what you want. Really you really appreciate it. Yeah, you never want to be with someone that's just like complacent and they're just like, oh yeah, it's cool. You want to be with someone that accepts and embraces you as you are, but also is constantly making sure that you do your best. And I think that's beautiful. Um, what what brought you to Glenn's class? I was on a set. I was on Scandal Made Me Famous. Oh yeah, yeah. Somebody recommended Glenn's class to me and some other classes too. Oh, I, I think I need an agent. So I actually went on Linda McAllister's website mm -hmm. and then I went under resources and then I saw the extra mile. Yeah. And I was like, oh, oh wait, that's what that, that other person was talking about. I joke around a lot because almost all of my guests have at some point been in the extra mile because <laughs> that's how I've met almost everybody here because yeah. um, I came back and I didn't have any friends. What are some personal ways that you could track that you started to grow because he has a very like metaphysical strengthen your your personal self and your work self will naturally kind of benefit from it were there any ways that he was able to influence that side of of your life oh yeah he built my confidence up mm -hmm. so much and i am forever grateful he really yeah. really because i agree with him if you if you believe in yourself and if you work towards it you'll be able to do it. Yeah. When they say like, oh, you can do anything you set your mind to, it sounds so cliche and annoying, but it's true. Whatever you believe will happen for you in the sense of like manifesting. Mm -hmm. that's, that's become such a popular term lately. For sure, yeah. And um, I think it's all, like a self-fulfilling prophecy, basically. If, if you believe- I'm a believe, huge believer in that. Yeah, if you believe something specific, whether you realize it or not, your actions do it or you seek it out. Mm -hmm. So when you see it, you're like, see? I'm proving yeah. myself right that that happened but then you're ignoring some other aspects a lot of people look at it from like a woo woo kind of way where it's like oh it's like magic but <laughs> what what I see and what I believe in is that if you believe that something's gonna happen you're gonna behave in a way that would make it happen because you're more inspired to move and this is where I've learned 
the benefit of positive reinforcement versus negative reinforcement. Mm -hmm. I learned it in the SPCA where you're dealing with dogs and then I started applying it to my life, but the more that you're able to influence good actions versus discourage bad actions, the more positive steps you'll find you constantly take. And I see that being the same. <laughs> I make all kinds of weird noises. I see that being the same with like, the law of attraction and the power of manifestation. Oh gosh. <laughs> I think in my peripheral I can tell that some people have started showing up and now I'm like getting flustered. It's okay. Um, this might be too personal. What would you say your, your beliefs are in terms of like a higher power and stuff like that? I find that a lot of people that believe in things like manifestation fall on a huge different spectrum of like faith and religion. I was curious where you fall. It's weird. I tell people I'm a Christian. Mm -hmm. To be honest, I don't practice it. I don't go to church. I don't read the Bible. So I feel kind of bad calling myself a Christian. I do believe there is a God. I don't know. It's weird. Like at the end of the day, I genuinely believe if you do good by people, you do good by yourself and you always try to have the best intentions as you can, I think, yeah. I think you're fine. That and, reminds me yeah. of Kristen Bell. She has a big thing she says where all of her decision, decisions are based off of gauging whether it's more happiness or more suffering. Where the only thing that matters is, oh, is this making anybody suffer or is this making people happy? And that's kind of how she gauges. I might be oh. butchering this, but it sounds very similar to the way you're describing it, where it's just like, if I'm a good person, I don't hurt people, I, I try to help people, then at the end of the day, that's that's all I need to focus on. What what is it that made you become Christian? Like was it something that you found? Was it something that your parents kind of put on you? Like where where did that kind of My family is not religious whatsoever mm -hmm. at all. So it was really cool growing up with like a blank slate because I didn't yeah. have any, I wasn't swayed anyway. Yeah, like, you got oh, to this really think for yourself. Yeah, like not this was bad, this is good, or don't do this, don't do that. It was literally just like whatever. When I was in high school, my best friend at the time, I was going through a lot and he was really helpful and he was there for me. And he one day was like, hey, come to church. I don't really, like, I don't want to push you, but if I think it'll help. I was like, all right, sure. So then I went to church and then I was like, oh, you know what? This is something to look to in a positive mm -hmm. way. Faith is so cool because it's something you can lean on. Because, you know, some people just need that shred of hope when everything is just, when they're on rock bottom. And I think faith really, really helps people get yeah. through their tough times. So I think for me, that's what it was. But then as time went on, I got into some really negative experiences with Christianity. So then that started turning me away. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, well, I shouldn't turn away my own, my own opinions and beliefs just because other people around me are pissing me off. Yeah. So I was like, okay, let me step back and let me think about what I really believe myself. And at the end of the day, I believe in God. I just don't, I just don't do all the yeah. Christianly stuff. I don't do any of that. So yeah. And yeah. The, the the overarching theme is just finding what works for you. Mm -hmm. um, I don't even know what my personal belief is, but I'm, I end up talking about it on the podcast a lot because I'm so fascinated by mindset and it's such a huge part of people's identity. It's not about anything being true or being right. It's about whatever helps you cope or not cope, maybe cope's the wrong word, but it's what helps you move through the day in the most positive way possible. Yeah. This has like a, it's going somewhere. But I'm kind of curious, what was your first impression of me? 
I'm trying to remember. It was so long ago. It's interesting because we've always like seen each other in passing, but we never like actually talked or had like a, a conversation or anything like that until you started coming to the workshop. We've always greeted greeted each other super uh -huh. positively, and I remember seeing scenes in class and, being, and telling you like, "You're awesome. I yeah. love your work." I mainly ask because I just remember being so intimidated by you. Everybody a lot. says that's, that. That's why I was asking. I was curious if that was like. <laughs> Me, or if that was something that you get a lot? No, I get that all the time. Because I'm curious why that is. Maybe because you come from that athletic background and, and you're very good at just like putting in all the work. It's kind of, I don't know though. DB told me the same thing. Yeah. He was like, man, you, you really intimidated me. I was like, I got to get my shit together. I was mm -hmm. like, why? I didn't do anything. Yeah, no, it, it's funny. When, when we talk to you, it's like, oh, you're very sweet and open and, not, and it's, it's awesome. You always come across at least as very comfortable and confident in your skin. Of course, that's going to be intimidating to a ton of people. I've gotten from people that it's my resting bitch face. Oh. <laughs> So I, I actually did used to have a really bad resting bitch face mm -hmm. and I worked on it to be more approachable. It was it was my best friend in high school at the time because I told him, I was like, why do people think I'm scary? And he was like, it's the way you look when you just like walk by. He was like, I would never approach you. And I was uh -huh. like, oh, no, okay. <laughs> I was like, I promise I'm not like, yeah. I'm not scary or mean. So, so I started working on that. I think it improved, but even now, like I'm still getting that same impression. Like, wow, mm. you intimidate me. When I was younger, I let too many people walk all over me. And so I, I've gotten to this point where like, nobody's gonna walk over me. Yeah. Don't even try. So I think that's the kind of vibe I come off with now. That might be why why it's a little bit more intimidating. I can definitely see yeah. that. In what ways would you let people walk over you? Like Oh, such a people pleaser. Bend over backwards for people, do yeah. everything for people. I was like, I can't do that anymore. Would it maybe be something that you could see being a result of growing up in that environment where you had to be perfect all the time so it was almost like this need to uphold that image and so no i actually think it came from a place of insecurity because when i was little i guess i was socially awkward and i just didn't have any friends and i could tell people didn't like me mm -hmm. so i would like do things for people to the point where I was like, okay, you probably have to like me now because I'm doing all the stuff. What was it that got you out of that? Like, was it just like a night and day? Like, you know what? I'm fed up. I'm done doing that. Was there a specific time someone walked over you just a little bit too far? Definitely a relationship. Mm. Yeah. I allowed oh. stuff to happen. I allowed too much. And then I was like, I cannot do this to myself anymore. I've got to stand up for myself. I've got to make sure I put my foot down, just not not let people take advantage of me. How long were you in that relationship? Almost two years, I think. Was it one of those things where it started really nice, but then slowly over time, <laughs> the true colors were revealed? Yeah. When, when, when did the warning signs start happening, I guess? And if I ever start venturing too deep, just let me know and we can- Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I, I'm more than comfortable with sharing with you. I think like three months, three to four months, that's when it started taking a turn. Really? So what took so long for you to finally like be at that breaking point after two years if you started kind of seeing it at three months? Well, you know, I don't know if you, have you ever been in an on and off relationship? No, yes. Ish. Ish, yeah. You know, I used to judge people for doing that. Like, oh, they treated you so bad. Why do you keep going back? But then I was in that position. I think at that point, the on and off part wasn't me just allowing stuff to happen. It kind of was, but at the same time, it was whatever it is that keeps people going back. Mm -hmm. I was in that loop. And then I was like, well, if I'm going to cut it off, I have to do it, like really fully, do it yeah. fully. So I think that when I really flipped a 180, that was to force myself 
to not go back and to realize that this is better for both of us to move on. It's so cool being able to talk to people that have gone through those kinds of experiences and hear them on like Dak Shepard's podcast and all that kind of stuff because there are so such a wide range of reasons people don't leave or people get stuck in those situations, whether it's financially or whether it's fear-based or, or the only man you've ever actually genuinely loved and you don't want to believe that they're actually intentionally doing this and yet they are. When you say on and off again and there's that thing that kept making you go back, what, what was that thing? Was it the love that you were craving? Was it just comfort, ease? And I'm sure it's changed over time as you as you reflect on that that kind of situation. I always think about like I look back at myself and I'm like, God, you were so dumb. Why did you keep doing that? Um, <laughs> That's a human condition. Yeah. Well, now I now I can say that yeah. at the time that was I had I had been in a relationship before and like broken mm-hmm. up before. This one hurt so much. I think I was like, I have to try to make it work. It was good. There, like we had a good time. Like the first few yeah. months were great. We can do that again. We can do that again. And then it took so long for me to realize that it's a two-way street. So if I keep hoping for something to change, it's not going to change. I was toxic too. And I know I don't like, you, you might not believe that maybe, but I was very toxic too. And I think it was just in reaction to everything happening. I can't keep acting like this either. I look psycho. I look like a psycho girl. I need to stop. Obviously, our situation is making me act this way. He's gonna do what he's gonna do. I'm going crazy over, over behaviors not changing. So yeah. it seems like you got to a point when you finally were just like, I can only control the way I show up. You know, that's a good point you bring up about some people go back all the time because finances, like there's mm-hmm. so many other reasons. And if you like were to live with somebody and you can't afford to like have that separation, yeah, there, people definitely constantly underestimate just how much context there is into all those situations. And I think that's that's the point of this whole podcast is that if you dig just a little bit deeper than you might, because we've definitely never had a conversation that went this deep. Yeah. By just going a little bit deeper and seeing more of the context, you have so much that you can learn from every single person's perspective. Yeah. Oh, I forgot. I forgot to answer your question. How I I viewed you, your, my first impression of you. Oh yeah. I thought you were quirky. Because <laughs> oh. I'll tell you this, I was actually very surprised that you you came to uh, to like the taping workshops. I was very pleasantly surprised. Oh really? Like, yeah. Because I was like, there's no way this brilliant actress would ever come to my workshop to try oh. to. <laughs> I think I remembered when we went and did the Stranger Things maze. The uh, the escape room. The escape room yeah. for Amy's birthday party for whatever reason. I guess I just sensed that I was annoying you or something. I thought I was annoying everybody and I can look back and acknowledge that it was my own insecurity that was projecting onto everybody because uh. I was afraid of being annoying. So it's not that you did something specific. Oh, okay. But that, that was primarily why I wanted to bring it up because I had that perception and it's cool because that wasn't at all the way you perceived me so it shows how I was projecting my own insecurity onto something to color something that wasn't actually true okay so I had done escape rooms before yeah and um, it was me and three of my other friends and two of them were just messing around while me and my other friend were like looking for clues and so if I came off like I was annoyed 
I wasn't really annoyed. I was just like, okay, let's let's look for all these clues. Let's do this. For let's sure. do that. Blah, blah, blah. So so I was just really focused, and I was like, and yeah. I guarantee you, it's nothing you did. <laughs> you could have literally been like, oh, I, I, it's so good to see you, and I would have in my mind be like, she's lying. She's actually annoyed by you. <laughs> she's just saying that to save face. So we we'll find a way to confirm, and that's the other part of self fulfilling prophecy. Yeah, we'll always find a way to confirm what we believe. Yeah, that's so true. So if we believe in the right things, then we're confirming yeah. the right things. Yeah. There's only one final question that I ask all my guests, mm-hmm. and that is, right now, what is the personal life mantra that you would say you're living by? Have no regrets. Have no regrets. Mm-hmm. Because everything we do, we do for a reason. Yeah, we can look back and be like, wow, that wasn't a great choice. But everything is a learning experience to me. So even if we do something and we're like, why did I do that? I can't believe I did that. Well, now you know the outcome of why you did it. You know the consequences, you know the, you shouldn't regret whatever happened because it did it for a reason and it could have put you on a path where you're supposed to be going towards now. Yeah. Yeah. I love that because I'll tell you this, for the longest time, I hated that I had to return to Texas after going to LA. I felt like such a failure. I felt like I was basically signing my death sentence to ever being an actor. And then I came back and I've, met so many beautiful people. I genuinely think if I hadn't come back and gotten that foundation that I was lacking in LA, I wouldn't be where I am today. Were you there when Brad Sham came to the Extra Mile? Yeah. He said one thing that stuck with me that's very similar to what you said, which is you never know the end of a story while you're standing in the middle of it. What may seem like a huge grievance and tragedy in the moment might actually somewhere down the road be exactly what you needed to get to where Well, thank you so much for spooning with me today. You're a badass, and I look forward to doing more of these workshops and getting to know you even better. Yeah. All right. I hope you have a beautiful rest of your day, which I guess I'm going to be seeing some. (laughs) I'm really bad at ending these things. It's okay. (laughs) Until next time. Yes. Bye.